Are we really getting closer to a 2020 season? And we have a chat with one of the managers from the Athletics Alternate Universe. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had uh, three go-throughs uh, yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Wednesday, April 29th. I'm Al Melkier, and I'm here with Derek Van Riper. And DVR, uh, we have a couple of excellent pieces to talk about. Uh, one from The Athletics' own Ken Rosenthal, and then another from ESPN's Jeff Passan, uh, both dealing with potential timelines for the 2020 season and whether or not there'll be a possibility of fans. And the, there's been a lot of discussion of these pieces, and, and it seems like the reaction is, you know, there's a lot of optimism. I didn't necessarily get that from these pieces. It seems to be a much more complicated picture about whether we can expect a, a 2020 season and uh, when it might start. Uh, how did uh, how did it strike you? It sort of fell in line with expectations I've had for the last month about what a season would look like. You know, if, if we have a season, it's probably closer to a half season. I think both articles pointed to 80 to 100 games. Uh, the idea that the season would begin between mid-June and July 4th, that seems like a reasonable target since you're going to need probably about three weeks for teams to get back into game shape. And how exactly they do that is still a great unknown. Even as we get more information from some of the best reporters around, a lot of us are, are looking at this and wondering, can Major League Baseball even push play on this sort of plan to maybe have fanless games in home parks or fanless games in Arizona? Can they push play on that even before the end of May? You know, if you push play, let's say around Memorial Day weekend, add three weeks to that, that's how you get to that mid, even second half of June possible start date. Because even, even when they say this is what we're going to do, there's probably about a week for players to make their actual travel plans if they have to go to Arizona or Florida or Texas or even just from home to where their big league team plays if they go that route for training. So logistically, there are just a lot of unknowns, but I think the broader framework at least sounds realistic. And, and the thing that really jumps off the page to me is uh, it sounds like just based on the Ken Rosenthal piece, the double headers are just not going to be part of the regular plan, which makes a lot of sense. I think you'd be pushing workloads onto players that are just abnormal. And to do that just seems very reckless in a year where, you know, we, there could be more injuries than usual just because of the strange sort of buildup we've had to get to this season. Yeah. And as you said at the outset, uh, the one commonality, well, you know, one of the big commonalities between these two uh, pieces is that estimate of an 80 to 100 game season. So, yeah, the implication being that, uh, and they both cite, by the way, that the, the regular season would go through October. So there would be no need for an accelerated pace, no need, as you uh, said, for double headers. Uh, so that's certainly maybe changes the way we start to think about um, player analysis and player evaluation. Cause I, I think we've all on this show really been baking in the possibility of double headers and a broader pool of players uh, getting uh, impact uh, playing time. 
so, you know, maybe we need to go back to a more conventional way of thinking about playing time and, and player value. But there were some uh, important differences. And, and I thought what was really neat about the Jeff Passon piece is that he really kind of mapped out how this would have to happen and saying that basically the next 30 days or so are really, really critical because if Major League Baseball doesn't have a plan in place by the latter days of May, uh, it's going to be hard to even have a start in July. Uh, just for all the reasons that you said, DVR, that uh, you know players have to make their plans. There needs to be some sort of spring training redux. Uh, and really, best case scenario would probably be early July. So the Ken Rosenthal estimate of maybe mid-June, that one would really require a plan to be cemented pretty soon, like in the next couple of weeks. And it doesn't seem like uh, they're, they're on track to let that happen. Uh, now, both uh, Rosenthal and Passan mentioned some potential obstacles. Uh, Rosenthal talked about how several different league officials are you know, concerned about revenues and, and that if they aren't, if they play fanless games, they're going to lose, uh, you know, possibly around half of their revenues. Whereas Passan points out, uh, you know, the issues with testing and that uh, the advances made in testing are, are way behind what were initially hoped for. So how realistic do you think, let's just even take the Passan scenario, which was slightly more conservative. How do you, how realistic do you think that is? It's, it's still pretty realistic if, and this is this is the big if, if the volume of tests available reaches the necessary threshold. And in my head, that's still something where the general public can readily get the tests they need. So I think it's hard to know where exactly we are progress-wise towards getting there. We know we're not there yet. Are we two weeks away production-wise? Are we six weeks away production-wise? Are we even further away than that? I honestly don't know. I think <laughs> maybe that's part of why everything is is still so vague as far as when the plans can start to begin because it's not even, it's, it's not even in the hands of people who normally make these decisions right now. And that's why I think we're all just kind of left to provide our best guess. Yeah, I mean, that's we can only work with the information that we have. And that's what's nice about these pieces is that it fills in at least a, a few of those information voids and gives us something to, to maybe dream on a little bit and at the same time try to stay realistic with uh, what some of the, the real obstacles may be. So if you haven't checked out uh, either piece or, or both pieces, uh, I do highly recommend them. Uh, Neither one's a featured read. We've got a good one uh, for that as well uh, a little bit later on. But uh, let's uh, leave reality for a bit and talk about our alternate universe, our out-of-the-park league. And we are very fortunate uh, to have Melissa Lockhart from The Athletic. She covers the Oakland Athletics for The Athletic. Um, I'm sure, Melissa, that uh, gets fun to explain to people sometimes. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, we've got Melissa here to talk about uh, The Athletic Alternate Universe. Uh, she is my AL West division rival. Um, as I've mentioned on previous episodes, I am running the Astros. She is running the A's, um, and I finally uh, passed the A's <laughs> recently, uh, or actually on a one-week high it is now so i get to look at uh the astros at the top of the standings there but you're you're right behind uh melissa your a's are 35 and 22 and um i'm interested in what has surprised you in the sim so far uh in terms of things that have happened that you think you know what maybe that could happen in 2020 uh when and if there's a season but i didn't expect it 
Yeah, I mean, I think the um, you know the game has seemed to really like young pitchers and hasn't seemed to worry too much about their lack of experience coming in. So uh, Jesus Lazardo has pitched as well as you could have possibly hoped for uh, coming out of the gate. And um, again, there has been you know little concern about even his workload totals, which I you know I as a a real analyst would have been very concerned about given that he missed a lot of last year with injury. So um, I think that's been surprising on the flip side though. It hasn't seemed to like uh, Frankie Montas who, you know, really pitched well when he wasn't suspended last season and had a strong spring training. Uh, in fact, I just moved him from the rotation to the bullpen because he just really wasn't able in this game to turn it around. So, you know, that that's definitely been surprising because I think in real life, the, the team is kind of counting on him to be an anchor of that rotation. Um, and all indications from this spring was that he, you know, looked as good as he did last year. Um, so, you know, that that's definitely a little um, kind of wrinkle in my my planning for the season. And on the uh, offensive side, uh, Matt Chapman's gotten off to a very, very slow start. Uh, he's hitting under 200. So obviously you can't bet- bench Matt Chapman, but um, that has definitely hurt our ability to keep the offense um, going as, at a rate you would have expected it to. So out of those changes, which is maybe the one where you'd be just most likely to react and say, there's there's just very little chance that that was going to happen in 2020? I mean, I would have I would have been very surprised if uh, Matt Chapman in real life would, would hit under 200 in any circumstance. So, uh, you know, that I think um, isn't that likely. I, I've had a chance to let Franklin Barreto get regular playing time lately at second base because in the game, Tony Kemp injured his elbow and he's starting to hit the way that I would have expected him to as someone who's sort of covered his career for the last uh, five years or so. Um, and I don't know if that'll... Uh, kind of be a chance to happen in real life. You know, he kind of needs a break like that, where it was essentially he's given an everyday job and kind of the room to be an everyday player in order for it to, you know, really click for him. Um, and in the game, he was presented with that opportunity and he's taken advantage of it. But in, in real life, that, that may not be an opportunity he's presented this season. Top performers in business and sports often attribute their success to their morning routine, whether it's waking up early, setting their goals for the day, exercise or meditation but not everyone has the time to do it all. With Hydrant, you can jumpstart your mornings. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There are no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You could save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com and enter the promo code BASEBALL at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com and enter the promo code BASEBALL for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code BASEBALL. There are a couple other players who haven't performed as well. I guess maybe it's not quite as surprising as you know what's happened with uh, Matt Chapman or Frankie Montas, but Chris Davis um, hasn't really rebounded in Sim World. Uh, Sean Murphy off to a pretty slow start. And one of the cool things about Out of the Park is it gives you war, and so we know as a result of that that Chris Davis and Sean Murphy have both been basically replacement level. Uh, given that they weren't included among the players that you thought were you know, really surprising as underachievers. Would you consider as uh, the manager and GM uh, changing their roles? 
You know, uh, with Chris Davis, I think I would give him uh, a more rope. I think he got off, if I remember correctly, in the game to a pretty decent start, went into a slump, and then was sort of slowly kind of working his way uh, out of it again. So, um, you know, I'm, I think he's been a second-half hitter um, in a lot of respects in, in real life, so I'm willing to kind of give him some some rope there. And there are plenty of really good hitters for the team in uh, AAA that I could turn to if I needed to. I, I mean, I don't know if anybody's looked at the PCL stats for this game, but they're sort of insane. Uh, the, the Aviators, the A's AAA affiliate, had an 83-run game and a 56-run game in back-to-back games this last week. But um, so there are some options there. I think, you know, they I may turn to a Seth Brown and sort of maybe do a platoon with Davis if it really doesn't turn around in a few more weeks. But I would give it more time there. Uh, the catching situation has been a concern. That's one I guess I should have flagged earlier. Um, and I did talk about because it, it is two rookies. Um, and, you know, whether it's Jonah Heim or Austin Allen as the backup, either way, it's a two rookie catching tandem. And it really hasn't produced much of anything with any of the three of them so far. Uh, I don't necessarily have a replacement for Sean Murphy and in real life and in the game I'm not interested in benching him entirely but if there was a catcher in the veteran category that became available that I could pair with him I think that would be a move I would make ah, interesting interesting um, well you'd mentioned Frankie Montas earlier it seems like moving to the bullpen has actually worked out pretty well for him I mean he's only made I think five appearances uh, in the bullpen I've been been researching your team a little bit uh, but since the sim so far seems to like him in that role, do you think he just might let him go, uh, barring any, you know, injuries or uh, some really disastrous performance by one of your starters? Yeah, I think you know at this point I'll, I'll let him go for a while. I anticipate at some point that uh, Lazardo, Manaya, or AJ Puck may need a breather, just given their lack of workload uh, last year. And I imagine that 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 will catch up to them at some point. So having someone like Montas sort of available to go back into the rotation when needed, uh, you know, is is something that I would envision as an asset for the team. But you know, he does in real life have bullpen experience. Certainly, his stuff, given the velocity and, and the movement on his. Uh, um, breaking pitches is, is something that would play up in a short inning situation. So, um, you know, I think it's a good kind of problem to have to be able to use him in either role. And right now, Chris Bassett as a starter has looked quite good. So there's no reason to really um, move him out of that spot. Uh, and he had sort of been looked at as maybe that long relief role that Montas is in now um, in real life at the start of the season. All right. All right. Well, uh, we will be resuming play uh, not too long. And, uh, you know, even though we are rivals, I wish you the best of luck. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and you've been doing what weekly updates, right? On, uh, yeah. On your team? Yeah. No, it's been fun. I, you know, I kind of dive into sort of my thinking on all the different moves that have been going on, trends I've sort of noticed. And um, now that we're getting into the draft and stuff, I'll get to kind of feed to my own personal interests and, and talk about some of the scouting of those guys a little bit. So, um, you know, it's, it's been fun. It's a great distraction. Anybody who has a chance to play the game, I think would really enjoy it. Yeah. And well, hopefully people get that idea too, from the discussions that we've already had on the show about that, but, uh, you know, good to get your, uh, your experiences uh, both here and also in your, your weekly write-up. So do check those out on the athletic and also, uh, go find Melissa on, uh, Twitter at Melissa Lockhart and uh, Melissa, I thank you so much for taking the time out and, uh, chatting with us today. Thanks so much. And I'll be seeing you back on the field. <laughs> All righty. Sounds good. 
Well, great stuff there from Melissa Lockhart. Uh, as I said uh, just a moment ago, be sure to read her weekly updates. They're really, really fun to read, and she really uh, digs into it. Uh, let's move on to our featured read. And uh, this one is from Trey Mancini. He wrote a piece for the Players' Tribune uh, detailing uh, his his diagnosis and um I think that the, actually his uh, situation was far more uh, severe and, and uh, dire than uh, previous reports had, had uh, led us uh, to, to know about. Uh, but just uh, something that uh, I think is really good to read. Uh, it's called I Am So Lucky. It's by Trey Mancini in the Players' Tribune. Um, really good piece there. So uh, strongly recommend that. And on that note, let's wrap things up for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get 40% off a subscription at theathletic.com slash baseball and 15, or you can uh, access The Athletic through a 90-day free trial. Uh, either way, whichever you choose, everything that we do will be a part of your subscription. And if you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and a review, as always, we'd greatly appreciate it if you do take the time to do that. For Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll be back with you on Thursday. Mm-hmm.